Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Um, So we are wrapping up our discussion of Liberation Day by George Saunders. So if you haven't already, go pick up a copy from your local bookstore, bookshop.org, get reading. They're amazing. And then listen to our last episode, part one, Um, and then come back and join us because we're pretty much going to be focusing on just those last four stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, just a reminder of what our next book is going to be. So our next episode for the next two episodes, we'll be discussing the book of goose, uh, by Yuyun Lee. Really excited for this one. You guys are going to love it. So, and, uh, I mentioned this last time too, but I think it's a good one for over the holidays. Cause like, if you have to put it down, you can get back into it pretty easily. Yeah. So it's not like as, but it's great and it's really engrossing. So. Uh, that will be our next book. And then as soon as we know what's up after that, we will be sure to let you know. So um, what are you drinking? Um, I'm almost already done with my drink because as per usual, we talked for a long time before we started recording. <laughs> I think we broke a record We're not today. admit how long. Yeah, yeah we did. Let's but, just say I mean, we broke we a record. planning a wedding. Yeah. We're planning a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have every reason and excuse. But uh, yeah, we broke a record today. But... I am having a bourbon and eggnog mixed with cinnamon, and it's delicious. That's very holiday, and I'm so glad because I totally slacked today. So I am drinking <laughs> a can of of Ava from Grace Vineyards, uh, their rosé. I mean, it's really good, and yeah. it's really pretty. Like, it's really Oh, I like that pleasing. can. Yeah, so um, that's what I'm drinking because... It was just one of those days, so hence probably Fair. why we talked for two hours. Um, but it's good, so. Hey, that's all that it really actually needs to be. It just needs to be, yeah. like, it's whatever libation you choose. You can choose whatever you want, and it looks, it still look, looks really good. And plus, I'm a sucker for a good can. Like, a good, I am like, too. pretty can of wine, I'm a total sucker. Well, I have such good memories of so Like, I always, will, I drink those at, like, horse shows, yeah. So it's always fun or at like concerts at Red Butte, mm-hmm. you know, like things like where I'm or like, you know, just hanging out with friends, some like in a yes. backyard or park. Like, so it's all these good associations with it, too. Right. It's like, yeah. Plus, so you funny. know what? Utah, actually, I will say, has a really good canned wine selection. I'm super jealous. It is better than any that I've been able to find in Massachusetts. Really? Yes. That's interesting. I think it's because um, I went to like a wine tasting where like the the actual like maker of the wine came and talked to us about her wine. Yeah. And it was really fun. But she actually talked about um, her like her vineyard and stuff is in Oregon, I think. And she was talking about how Utah actually is one of the best states for smaller vineyards and winemakers that they like they do incentives and stuff for smaller vineyards to come and sell their stuff in Utah 
than mm. any other state. So Utah has a surprising selection of stuff like that. So like it might be hard to find a lot of really good classic stuff that you can find everywhere else. But like yeah. there's a lot of niche kind of stuff in Utah. And mm. I think that that's true because the canned wine selection out here is really, 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 really bad. And every every time I've gone to Utah, they've had like a ton of different stuff when I go to the look, like the liquor store. They've had so many options. So I'm jealous. My canned wine game is not strong, but I can have it delivered to my house at least. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. So I was starting to feel bad for you. And then I remember that. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, why don't you just order whatever cute can you want and have it shipped to you? Ugh, um, true. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it now that, <laughs> now that I've had that reminder. Okay. So we start with ghoul. Um, mm-hmm. I dug this story. It I did was, too. it was not my normal like jam, but I really liked it. Well, like, cause you it don't was, like, you don't like dystopian stuff. Like we've talked no, about this before. You, you I don't. don't. I, it like, it's too scary to me. Yeah. It's pretty, I don't like thinking, I don't like thinking about that. That's like a possible, I don't know. I don't like it. it it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it in my, in my literature for the most part, but I really, I really liked this and I liked, I think what I like so much about it as, even though it's like kind of this dystopian fiction is it's, mm, I don't know how to verbalize what I want to say yet. You should talk about it, but I really what did you like so much about it? Maybe that will help me verbalize it. So just as like a general synopsis of the story, um, the main character, his name is Brian. This is a like underground society that they're living in. And they're all living under this kind of like pretense that there will be visitors. And so there are certain things that people are not allowed to speak about. They're not allowed to talk about like lack of power or like say really anything negative about what is going on and like what they're experiencing. And then they all like are basically performers. So like they dress up in preparation for like visitors to come. And um, Brian, the, the main character, he like the whole society is also kind of brought up on people like screwing other people over. So if somebody says something that's like unforgivable, I should say, I don't remember if that's the word that they said to describe these things. I think it's unforgivable. Um, Mm -hmm. You have an obligation to go tell like an authority, you know, it's almost like there are like these officers like walking around like, and they have whistles is what they have. And your obligation is to go and be the first person to tell. And that's how you stay out of trouble. You will get a pardon, basically, if you tell on the other person. And then that person will be kicked to death. And it's, like, very gruesome and vile. So somebody will blow a whistle, and then everybody will come and kick the other person to death. And so Brian is in a situation where somebody... uh, Tom Frame is who it is, says something to him that is an unforgivable. And then he, Brian doesn't tell anybody. He just kind of like lets it lie, lets it be. 
And then he receives, I think, a message or like a letter from Tom saying, uh, like, let's see where it is. Um, but it says that, oh, like, I'm working on myself. I promise not to make that mistake. When I said that thing about no visitors ever coming down here, please know that I did not mean it. And it was in my awkward way making an attempt at facetiousness. Or I said it in fun, being ironical to indicate how fiercely I believe in its very opposite. Please consider myself a person of conscience. I am compelled to underscore that once your reporting period is over, you too will have committed a crime, one of a mission. So he's basically saying, um, your time is up to tell on me. So now if you tell, I'm going to tell on you. So he gets this letter and then Brian is like, oh, I got to go tell because like I can't have this over holding over me. And it's too late. And the, is it Shirley? Is it that he goes to? And um, so they're talking about like, oh, are you turning him in now? All about who's turning in who. And then it gets to this point where um, Amy? Yes. Or wait. Amy's the one that he's in. Yes, he Amy. like dates after. She she blows yeah, the whistle on Tom Frame, and like, but it kind to of like, like save themselves to save, in a way to save themselves. So they do something unforgivable. Somebody else sees it, so they blow the whistle on the person that witnessed them, and they participate and watch as these people like get kicked to death. And it just kind of escalates from there of, like, Amy blowing the whistle and, like, accusing other people um, because they did or she did something wrong. But it's to just, you know, make sure that they don't get kicked to death. It's a very brutal system. Um, And anyway, then you find out that, um, like, Brian receives a letter Um, from a friend who basically tells him that I found that he like had found, um, out what was going on and like what the society is and the fact that there's like no visitors ever coming. They have this big like spout that they think is going up to like the outside, but it's not, it's like closed off. And then there's just this mass underground grave of all of the bodies. And so he figures out what it is and what it all means. And he goes there and he like encounters all these bodies. And like some of them are like the people that he had blown the whistle on and like that had died. And it's all kind of like for nothing. And it all, I'm trying to like remember where it goes from there, but I think that he like leaves and then he's about to get in trouble. And then he shares the letter with the, with the authority authorities and they're like oh wait like you knew too and like it seems like way more people know that the this is the case than are ever you know like willing to say it you know what the story it made me think of because like it kind of leaves a little bit vague or open-ended for like your whatever interpretation of what is actually going on like like are it made and so what I created in my mind of like this backstory of it was like they're kind of some experiment as far as like, these are people that we've purposely put in this situation to see how they like turn on each other. Almost like a little bit of like a Stanford prison experiment kind of thing. Like let's, let's see how people like, and so that's just, 
ugh. <laughs> like it just made so it added that element like adding that to it made the story even more like affecting for me it was nice kind of how he left he gave you just enough information to kind of go somewhere with it but didn't tell you exactly what was going on because that's not the only interpretation yeah like I think that there's one part where Brian kind of like fantasizes about what he thinks it is and he so he thinks yes. that they were like locked under there to like preserve humanity like they were mm-hmm. like like almost like Wally, like sending people to space to make sure that there's still people to be yeah. alive somewhere. And, um, and this is like the system that they basically like created to try to work on this. But there is a sense of like, there is like a sense of surveillance in it because obviously like this food and like all this stuff is coming from somewhere. So there is a question of, of like, are people watching them? Are there people alive out there? You know, how long is this going to last? And it's, it is kind of like, it's just, it's an, it, it does feel like an interesting experiment. Um, and it's negative, but I also kind of like thought that, um, Obviously, like, this is a horrible existence to be living in, but it is one that Brian does talk about having, like, this has been his whole life, you know? Yeah. And, and I, like, all of these people, you know, he, they talk about how none of the people there know why that they're there. Like, they've all been there so long that the decision to put them there is lost. And this is just how they're moving, getting on with it. But I think that, like, him and um, Amy, like, kind of dealing with um, figuring that out and then dealing with, like, the question of, like, mortality as they face this, like, mass grave of people and they see, like, their grandparents and their parents and their siblings and they, they see, like, people that they had accused that are in there that are innocent they, yeah. As they deal with it, they do, like, recognize that it's wrong. And they do seem to have access, anyway, I think, to, like, some sense of, like, this is not okay, this is wrong, and there is a better way to be somehow. And, like, there's not a solution, really, to the story, but, like, this feeling of, like, I don't know, I I liked that. Like, I liked that this feels dystopian and awful but there's still a sense that even the people who are raised and don't know anything different still see the problem with it yeah and like like that implies to me like an inherent you know like potential or capacity for goodness or inclination for it or something not was like a surprising positive thing that I got out of it or like how like that knowledge um, spread a little bit, yeah. you know, and like how that knowledge was can of, make a difference. There were some real like tender moments in the story. Yeah. Like between them, like her letter to him from when she like tries to escape, mm-hmm. like that, like what you were talking about with them kind of discovering like their ancestors and then people who like they know, like things like that in there. Um, yeah, just like little, there were some really tender little moments, which was interesting. Like it helped, it it just added a nice layer to the story. I feel like, 
Yeah. I also like this, like, idea of, like, I don't know, like, this society kind of, like, living this existence with the anticipation of something great happening or something bigger and like their whole existence is is built around this idea and in this specific case obviously it's like the visitors the visitors are coming they never come they never have come they're never going to come but like the way that they um you know, that keeps, like, that society going, but also, like, it's a lie. And I like that I felt like part of the story was, like, learning to accept that the visitors are not coming and that this is what we have to work with and these people are the only people that we have and this world is what we have and we just have to do, like, make it better or, like, deal with it or, you know, accept it. And, like, that acceptance of of this reality... I don't know like I just thought that was that was something that like I really related to like it was something like I th- I think that is a metaphor for a lot of things of like how people like live their life waiting for something great or waiting for something specific whether that be like religion and basing your whole life on the a concept of heaven or if you're like fucking Elon Musk and you think the only way to save humanity is going sending them to Mars like you know, like, no, this is all we have. Like, this earth is all we have. This life, as far as we know it, is all we have. And accept it and then make it better and, like, make it the life you want or the world that you want. And I, so, like, that aspect I really did like of, like, that kind of, like, search for that truth while it, this is a crazy situation that concept I thought was really relatable. Yeah. It was good. It was a good story. I liked this one a lot. I did too. I did too. Um, should we move on to Mother's Day? Yes. Okay. Uh, this, I, I also really liked this one, even though all these people are like really shitty people. But so it's shitty. interesting. So, like, so there's, um, Oh, what is her name? So the daughter's name is Pammy. And then it's um, um, Pammy and there's Pammy and Alma. And then there's Alma and then Eileen. Yes. And so um, yes. Pammy is the daughter of Alma and Alma is like, and like they have a not great relationship and mm-hmm. almost pretty crotchety she's Um, the quintessential like crotchety i've never done anything wrong as a mother like they're so lucky i'm such a good mom and like hates their like what just you think at first is just like their neighbor Mm -hmm. um and she's you know an older woman as well and then you find out that like um what was her name eileen was like basically her and Pammy's dad, Alma's husband, were like he had his own relationship with her and yeah. she like loved him. And like he basically had this like very long affair with her while married to Pammy's mom, Alma. And like Alma knew about it. And mm-hmm. then it was like this big thing when he like died. And so like they have all this beef, right? And like all this history. And Eileen doesn't necessarily think very highly of Alma either and is like, kind of justifies everything. And so they both just, you can tell, were just didn't have great, <laughs> like this guy and he's with both of them is, but then they're also not yes. nice people. And then it's like, there's this hailstorm, and then Alma like 
I like she has like a heart attack, right? And like it's yeah. or she, and then like you kind of it ends with like her not really being conscious and like you kind of get the different points of view from Alma from Eileen. Um so it was it was really I really liked it. It was again, they're not nice redeemable people. There's nothing happy or pleasant about any of it, but Yeah. But it was enjoyable to read. I liked it too. Like to it was interesting reading these two mothers perspectives of like how they both think that they are the respective better moms and yeah but then there are examples of like how they're such good moms is just to me like them outlining a specific instance that they absolutely like traumatize their child you know like pammy you know she's like so strict and, you know, she was, she, like, she's, I think I remember, I'm trying to remember, like, one of the stories that she tells, um, about how she would, like, her kids would say something and she'd, like, drop them off and they'd have to, like, walk home or something. There's, like, something awful and she, but she, like, looks at it as if she's being such a good mom and is so there for her daughter and, um... Like, it's just, I'm trying to remember the specific instance with Alma. But then with um, Eileen, you know, she's talking about how she's an awesome daughter and she's not appreciated. Like, Alma's over there getting flowers for Mother's Day when she's a shitty mom. But then Eileen, you know, she thinks she's such a good mom. Um, Or Debbie, I'm sorry. Is it Debbie? Yes. It's Debbie. And so she... um, I don't know where we got Alma. So she's... So Alma and Debbie are the moms. And then... Yes. Okay. And then, you know, she's talking about how she was such a cool mom. And she, like, would... Was so easy on her kids and let her kid do, like, whatever her kid wanted to do. But then you see this example of, like, her kid just, like, wanting to have the lawn mode so that it looks nice for, you know, a like a parade or something you know like and she thinks she's so cool for just like letting the kid do that but really what it is is the kid's fucking embarrassed about like the state of their home right and so she like she looks at it thinking she's cool and laid back but her mom is but her child is clearly like embarrassed and like sad about it so it's just it's interesting watching like the different ways that in kind of being opposites they both kind of traumatize their kids it's true it that's the thing yeah like there's like neither one of them you can really root for right well and then does that make sense yeah well and then like the way that they talk about it like i think it's debbie um the laid back one you know the one that had an affair with polly paul senior and um the way that she talks about Alma being as like Alma's just like such a stupid bitch basically is like how she talks about it. Like she had no idea. Like she genuinely thinks that she has no idea. She's thinking about like the specific instance when they were at the pool and, um, you know, he like, they literally had just like finished having sex somewhere like at this pool or whatever. And then she like watches him go back to Alma and he like, rubs her back or gives her some like modicum of like affection or something. And she's like, Oh, like that pathetic woman, like leaning into him and really like he and I just like had sex, but then really Alma knew the entire time 
she it, it I know just knew he was shitty <laughs> it's ugh. yeah it's all just like gross it's all icky there's so many icky people in this book I know I know I I liked like um, the the th- one thing I liked about it though is I do feel like I got a sense of like the kids you know in the background like we never really get their perspective and stuff but I don't know. I just, I felt for them, like, when the mom, when Alma has the the heart attack. Yeah, when they're, like, with during the hailstorm. Yeah, and then um, there's just, like, a reaction to, like, I'm trying to think. I think it's this story. I don't think I'm mixing it up. But there's a, somebody else, like, is looking at the scene and you see how Pammy is like reacting to it, you know, and yeah, I thought like that was like a sweet moment. I like these little moments from outsiders looking in, like at these moments yeah. that we have like the inside scoop on, but seeing the way that they view it from another standpoint, I think it adds like a lot of depth to the story and like how different people read situations from the inside versus the outside. It's just it's fun to read. Yeah, I agree. And I think and I think it added to the almost like the two of them, these two women seem even more unlikable in some ways because it's like they're almost on their own little island of misery in a way. And like uh, almost a lot of times at their own doing. And so then when you see these other perspectives where it's like you you have other options, you don't have to be so um, like negative like you guys yeah. can be better people, but then it's like, but at this point, are you like, can you really be better people? You know what I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. at a certain point, people aren't changing. So it's, I don't know. It was again, everything just always seems so hopeless to me in all of these stories. Like but there's so many layers to it. No, I totally get that. Like even, even like people we don't really know, like the last paragraph or like last page of that story, it switches to just very randomly, like the paramedics perspective. And I think this is what I was thinking about, but he's talking about Alma and he says, nobody even close to home in there. The paramedic named Henry said to the paramedic named Claire, which was rude, Claire thought, but actually, no, it was fine. The daughter was out of earshot sobbing against a tree. So like this, like exception of like what we determine is okay and when and where it is, is like determined on whether or not people like know what you're saying which I totally get, like, especially when this is your job, you know, like it's normal for people to be used to situations or kind of like make light internally about certain situations. Yeah. Um, so it's not that these people are like bad people, you know, but it's like the casual kind of nature. And then the fact that it's rude until she realizes that there's no like repercussions because nobody was in the earshot. So it's it's fine now. It's no longer rude. <laughs> You know, I don't know. It's just like, it's just, it's interesting. Like, I think the way that the characters in his stories kind of determine like what is polite, you know? Yeah. There's definitely this like, uh, murkiness to like social, uh, like social agreements, you know, like kind of niceties, like kind of these agreed upon social norms. That's what I'm looking for. Like, so it's interesting to see how those have been like molded and what that looks like. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. That is really interesting. Okay. Should we move on to Elliot Spencer? 
Yes. Um, I didn't love this one. I had a hard time getting into it and kind of figuring it out. And I think part of that is because um, of the style. Like this one, I think of any of them is more experimental as far as like the way he wrote it. It's very jumbled. And like, I think, I mean, the character that we're supposed to be hearing from is very jumbled. So if kind of like, I feel like the format follows like the theme of the story, but I had a hard, harder time. I didn't enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed the rest of them. Yes, I I agree. Yeah, this one wasn't my favorite. And I definitely think part of it was how it was written. Like, so it's it's meant to, like, I honestly, I can't even really tell you what actually happens to him. But he, something happens to him where now he, Elliot, he can't, he can't control the th- some of the things he says. And they're, like, not uh, socially polite things to say. But it's not, it's not Tourette's. Well, no, isn't it that, um... Well, they've done something. To, it's like this yeah, thing has they've happened done to him, something but I can't remember what it is that I can't remember what it is that happened to him. So my understanding is that this like protest group, the, like these group of like protest radicals, and I'm going to say that in quotations because we don't really know what they're protesting. Like they kidnapped people, and then they like basically brainwashed them oh into, that's right they like being wipe his like memory soldiers for yeah. them yeah at these protests. and then they go to other protests and they basically say stuff in order to um antagonize people and start shit and like yeah. have like have protests peaceful protests turn violent to like yes. kind of perpetuate that idea of that they shouldn't happen like they're like crisis something crisis I can't remember, but yeah, that's yeah. Right. And so, like, the words are very. It just didn't um, stick with me very well. Obviously, yeah, it didn't <laughs> stick with. It, I think one. it's. I think it's hard to make sense of like what's going on because it's very jumbled. He doesn't seem to be understanding things. Also, like things are explained to him in um, like the definitions that they get now as they're trying to like learn what things are again. Um, changes. So I thought this was like interesting, like him learning how to define things. So he's basically told it's a job and he's been waiting for job one day. Job one turns out purge air is high and noble as I'll get out. Purge air, I will stand for freedom for a poor and sick, will defend weak from oppressors. More defining with help of handy picks. So like they're given like basically I think like emojis to try to simplify their understanding of certain concepts. And so freedom equals cartoon bird flies above land, smile on beak, poor, sad child, pockets sticking out of pants, sick, thin guy in bed, X's for eyes, weak, guy in desert trying to reach water glass, failing, oppressor, tall guy with monster face, stick stick into body of weak, as in four handy picks in a row, weak gets more weak with each poke. And, like, it's just a very, like, their understanding of these jobs or these issues or these concepts are extremely simplified. And, like, mm-hmm. um, it felt very, like, buzzwordy almost is 
like yeah. how they're kind of being taught these things. Like it's just like the reason they're doing it is because they're bad. And that's like the only reason that they're yeah. getting. And then, yes. So like they're sent into these protests and then um, they have him um, do this like interview so I think like people are kind of on to this happening and are questioning this group um, that he has been, you know, brainwashed by and they have him fake like who he is. So he's like given a number. It's 89. And then they have him do this interview. And um I'm trying to remember, but like they give him like this whole story and like, this is what he's supposed to stay to say when certain things are said. And then, um, he gets confronted, you know, by that of like, well, actually there are rumors that people are getting like brainwashed and are being sent into these situations. And what do you think about that? And it's like, it's just kind of him dealing with that. Um, but I can't really like, I, I honestly like I struggle even. Like, I had a hard time with the story. How it ended. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, I feel I like I didn't feel very. I felt very um, inadequate when reading the story. I was like, why is this so hard for me to understand what's going on? But I just truly yeah. couldn't connect with it and figure it out. Like it was it was hard for me. I got like the gist yeah. after like two readings, and then the rest of it was hard for me to maintain. So I don't unfortunately I don't have a lot to say about this one because like I truly just didn't connect with it. Yeah, I don't know exactly, like, what to say about it other than this one I had a hard time, like, trying to pick out the theme, like, outside of the plot. Does that make sense? Well, if any of you really liked it or, like, I would love to hear what yeah. other people have to say about it, like, <laughs> truly, because that would really be helpful. So if you guys have read this and enjoyed it, like, please let us know like what you thought about this story in particular would really appreciate it. It would be really helpful. Yes. But I loved the last one. I loved my house. It's good. This is one of his good, like, I like the, um, the way he organized this collection of like, there's a good mix of like some, there's a couple really longer ones, which is like ghouls and liberation day, I think were the longest ones. And then he has these shorter ones, kind of mixed in and this one it's amazing short stories are just amazing to me like what people can do in such short, short amount of pages like yeah like totally. he, he does such a good job um but okay yeah do you want to tell us about this one and what you liked about um it? yeah so basically there's a guy named mel hayes and he has this like old house that's really like the, uh what's the main character's name what is his name do we ever get it the name of the guy uh, maybe not. Maybe that's why I can't remember. But he, this guy wants to buy it and he goes and he like has this like moment with the owner. Like, cause you can tell it's like this one where the owner really wants to pick who buys it from him. It's almost like you have to like earn the, and he talks and you know, Mel has, they have this like great connection. And then at one point Mel's like, so it says something about, well, I, I would like to come back and visit and like stay and you can tell he means more like for however long I want kind of like, I don't really want to leave. Mm-hmm. So I want the op like, because he just can't afford anymore. He can't take care of it. Like, cause of his wife and all of this. And so, and he's elderly. And then the, the guy that wants to buy it's kind of like, well, like maybe a weekend, you know, like 
kind of is more reasonable about it and then realizes like, oh, I just like screwed up. Like, well, he, and then like, Mel he doesn't want like to sell him the house. It's like he, well, and it's funny because he, he doesn't even say like he hesitates and then he yes, says, he hesitated. oh, yes, of course. Yeah, you and your family can That's visit right. whenever you want or something like that. He just thinks something like, well, maybe for a weekend. There's no yeah. way. he, But yeah, he has the hesitation. And then, yeah, and then he's like denied the property, basically. And he just ke- keeps like writing, like, doesn't he write a yeah, letter? Like, he writes these letters and they go from like very almost like apologetic and like still feeling like, oh, come on, like we can work this out. And then it's like aren't like you should be ashamed of yourself for being so obstinate like yeah like who do you think you are this, like, like not selling this house how delusional yeah isn't be? this what's wrong with the world like you know and then you'll die and i'll get the house eventually anyway so just sell it now like use the money to like make a better life and what little you have left you know like you're a mean-spirited old bastard but then he says he didn't send that one he like burned it up and now he's like he becomes ill and then he says, well, I need to write a letter to, like, say I'm sorry. But then, like, he doesn't write that one either. And then he's like, well, actually, it's not because I'm too tired. I'm just not ready. Like, I still have, even, like, on his, like, dying breath, he's like, no. Like, I still can't <laughs> write that letter to, like, ad- like, like, it's just funny. Like, he still think he's right. Like, I have to be right on this. It's just, like, really interesting. I th- I thought it was like, I don't know why, because they're not really similar at all. But have you ever seen the movie Cape Fear? No, no. Mm-mm. So it's just like Robert De Niro. And it's like, oh, I haven't seen like it for a long time where he's like this convicted. He kind of like movie? stalks. Yeah. It but has, like he kind of like it had this. I just remember this really creepy feel from him, like kind of stalking, like very insidiously, like this family. Yeah. And none of, none of the same that there's nothing similar with this story at all, but I got that same kind of creepy feeling from it. Like this weird, like I want this house so badly. And like, now Mm -hmm. it's not just about the house. It's like how right I am and how much I deserve this house. It was, but yeah, he wasn't doing anything overtly like dangerous or aggressive, but it was still really aggressive. Does that make sense? There was like like a real sense of entitlement kind of like, because I can pay for this, I have a right to it. Yes. And Ugh. the way that I think like this person's money um makes him yeah, like makes him feel entitled to like whatever he wants whenever he wants it. But in reality, like this house is a house that like has a deeper meaning to this family and this group of people and they're the ones who have the right to say who like lives there if they want to if they have like that flexibility and stuff so like the entitlement that he feels just because he can write a check you know or the idea that he's the only person who could ever appreciate the property you know as if like there are no other people that could ever also be good caretakers and like appreciate what it is um yeah it just was kind of petulant and childish but i think so much of it is wrapped up in like that privilege of money and stuff this this like whole this whole like story really made me think a lot especially like in this last story and also i think in the first one in liberation day this idea of like wealth disparity I think came up a lot for me and the the idea of just people in higher positions of power or wealth versus people in lower positions and like how they treat other people or um 
just the how they view the world, whether it's like, again, like these people with lots of money or if it's people higher up in the company or, you know, people with whistles in like in mm-hmm. Ghoul. Like it's just like the way that people kind of take that position or that power that's granted to them by society and then like the entitlement that they feel to use that power um or that the entitlement that they have like over other people's lives and existence like it's just gross <laughs> it's gross yeah it, it it's like i said it's icky like there's so many icky like creepy yeah. things this step this novel or this novel this collection is definitely not one that I would normally gravitate to because of that exact thing. Like I don't Mm -hmm. like being in that space. It's very uncomfortable, but it was so well done. And there's such nice little moments of tenderness and humanity and Mm -hmm. humor that Mm -hmm. like, it's not like it's worth hanging in there and being uncomfortable. And like, it's good to be like that sometimes. Like it's good to think about those things. It's, easy it's a privilege if I don't have to and so mm-hmm. it's good sometimes to put yourself in those situations so this book was very like helpful for me so yeah good good collection good pick thank you I really I thought it was um it's not overly long to like because like Mm-mm. dealing like sitting in those feelings or those like that kind of these stories for too long would be a lot um, obviously there were like a couple where like, I really would love like a whole science fiction novel that is liberation day. I thought that story was really, really fun and interesting. Yeah. I could have had more from that, but I, th- I think like the pacing of it and the order that he put the stories in, like everything felt very cohesive. And I always like, am very impressed when people can take, you know, a bunch of separate works that were written and published usually separately at some point and then connect them and create like a really cohesive work um is always really impressed impressive to me and I think that they did a really like him and his editor clearly did like a very good job with this one yeah I agree I really liked it thanks that was a good pick thank you all right so our next pick is the Book of Goose. The Book of Goose by Yen Li. I love her. Uh, She's yeah, a great author. This is author. really good. This is good. You're, it's lovely. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I really loved this collection. So if you didn't, just go get it. Go read Liberation Day by George Saunders. Let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. And hope everybody, not quite sure when we're going to put this out, but hope everybody has <laughs> had a good Thanksgiving. Well, it'll be after Thanksgiving, so it's fine. Had yes. a good Thanksgiving. Um, and we were able to spend time with your family and then also learn about, you know, all the inaccuracies that are talked about when it comes to our history and Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and what that means and supporting indigenous people and doing all of that. So hopefully everyone does all those things, did all those things. Um, and that's it. Anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.